Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Rachel, it's Monday, which means 50% of the time, we are 100% of the time answering listener questions. <laughs> I don't know how to do the math on that. that. That's, that's how that math works, <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah, we've got a couple questions about bonds, which is one of those things that is sort of on the periphery of what we normally talk about. And so it'll be good to dive into savings bonds as well as stocks versus bonds in an investment portfolio. We have a question about new student loan rates, given the current health crisis that we're in as well as insurance brokers, what they're all about. So I'm looking forward to tackling these questions with you, my buddy. Yeah, we got some good ones today, man. But before we get to those listener questions, you were telling me about working out from home and kind of some free resources to help people out because a lot of us are getting maybe a little bit lazy. And I'm just speaking for myself, at least. <laughs> getting a little bit lazy with the working out routine. I, I think it's hard to maintain any sort of healthy routine 
given the kind of life that we've been living over the past several weeks. You know, it, it takes sometimes years to kind of get into a rhythm of what you want your life to look like when you start a new job. You know, like it might take you a full 12 months before you feel that you're kind of into a groove and where it feels like you're firing on all cylinders with your time. You know, again, that's me. I'm kind of a, uh, a creature of habit. And so, but once I do find that groove, I'm, I'm cruising, you know, I'm good but I have not found that yet. <laughs> and I feel like it's it takes maybe a long time to get into that groove and a very short time to get kind of pushed out of it. And it can be really hard to to find a new one again. And I think that's what probably a lot of people are struggling with right now is like, how do I incorporate working out? How do I incorporate kind of staying healthy into this uh, quarantine coronavirus world? Yeah, I totally agree, man. Uh, for me, riding my bike, taking the girls to school on the cargo bike every morning, that was essentially how I got my, my cardio exercise in every single morning. Got the heart rate up, got the blood flowing. I was ready to start the day after that. Haven't done that in a while now. And I saw how some streaming services, some of these different wellness apps, they're offering uh, either a discounted rate or their, their services completely for free. Specifically, one that stood out to me, Nike Training Club. They normally have a $14.99 fee for like their premium service. And they are waiving that fee indefinitely for folks. That's which awesome. Is super cool. Uh, Planet Fitness, they've also got this 20-minute at-home workout that they, that they host every day uh, on their Facebook page. And so it's available to not just their current members, but non-members alike. And so you don't even have to be a member at Planet Fitness. Obviously, you cannot show up right now in person to the physical locations. But yeah, you can just hop over to their page on Facebook, see that workout, and anybody can see that. I think that's super cool. And it's, I think it's smart too from a, from a business standpoint. Obviously, they're providing value for a lot of folks to, to be healthier, right? But it's a good way for them to kind of get their name and get their workouts out in front of people because you start getting used to how Planet Fitness does things and all of a sudden... You know, we're post quarantine, and you think, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll kind of sign up and, and go with them. Who knows? Yeah, totally. Super smart business move. I love seeing companies kind of think outside the box because that's what it takes right now. A little bit of outside the box thinking. And for everyone out there who is trying to find some sort of fitness routine, I think those are great options, Matt. I also want to say on the flip side of working out and you know free health, fitness help. Well, I've seen stats that people are actually drinking alcohol like a good bit more these days. Like alcohol consumption is up almost 50% during quarantine. And you and I, of course, we drink a beer on every episode, uh, but we are also big fans of moderation and not drinking uh, too much at all. So yeah, if people are getting out of their habits, their healthy habits of working out, and then they're also uh, drinking more whiskey or beer or whatever it is at night, then that can quickly lead to just a good bit of unhealthiness. And so yeah, we want to encourage people to not only try to continue working out a little bit, but also uh, not drink too much because <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get into that super lax quarantine lifestyle because yeah, I know that can be easy, right? Our routines are shaken. It's easy to get into a new routine and a really unhealthy routine super easily. Yeah, we want to stay healthy. We want to keep that that physique going on. We don't want to end up like uh, Thor on uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it. So he was drinking. That, that that was where he's drinking Creature Comforts, which is one of our favorite breweries. But in the movie, he's like throwing back Creature Comforts. I've never seen a screenshot he's floating like, around, but he's all he's like you know Thor. He's like the son of the gods. But he's like all washed up and has a big old belly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We don't want to be there right at the end of this. That's not where we want to be. Keep doing what you need to do, whether that's maybe getting outside and run. I'm actually, I've been firing that up recently too, Joel. Have you ever um, run any races, like signed up for a race or anything like that? Like a 10K, 5K? Like a Thanksgiving Day race before, but that's it. Like with a family kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of these days, I want to get you to sign up for a 10K. And I think that'd be a lot of fun for us to do that together. I'll think about it. Well, here's the thing. Your legs are so stinking long. I bet you'd be able to like take maybe 20% fewer steps 
than me. You're probably right. Yeah, but because <laughs> I have really short legs, I'm gonna have to do a lot of work to, <laughs> to get in shape for that. <laughs> Whatever it takes for you to stay healthy, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt. Well, um, I'm glad we could highlight those things. But yeah, let's mention the beer we're having on the show today. We're drinking Nightmare on Brett, and it's a dark sour ale by Crooked Stave. Of course, they are an awesome brewery out of Denver, Colorado. So we're excited to get to have this one on the show today. Uh, but Matt, let's get on to listener questions. And for folks that want to submit a listener question for the show, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. It's super simple for you to leave a voice question and we'll take a listen. Hopefully we can answer it on an upcoming episode. But let's get to the first one for the day, Matt, about stocks and bonds. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Joe from Atlanta, Georgia, right around the corner from you guys over here in West Midtown. Hope everyone is doing fine during these uncertain times. I have a quick question related to this stock market downturn caused by COVID-19. I was wondering if I should sell my bonds in my portfolio and buy stock during this downturn. My thought process is selling bonds that have not depreciated much and using that money to purchase discounted stocks will be more beneficial to me over the long term. A little background, I am 28 years old and wanting to hold these stocks for the long run, at least 20 years. Also bonds are currently 30% of my portfolio right now. Thanks for everything y'all do and love the podcast. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for that question. And uh, thanks for asking. Joel and I, we're actually doing pretty good as well as uh, can be expected, uh, given all that's going on. Uh, and we hope that you are doing pretty well too, man. And also, you mentioned that you're living over in West Midtown. Make sure that you grab some of those Monday night beers because those guys are right there near you, at least their their original location, right there off of Traybert. Yeah. If we were going out still, Matt, which you know I didn't do very much anyway <laughs> before this all happened, but we would probably see Joe over there Monday night. Absolutely. But uh, Joe, so you're asking essentially about rebalancing your portfolio between stocks and bonds, right? And the short answer is yes. <laughs> now is a great time to go ahead and rebalance. Take money from those bonds and put it into stocks. In particular, while the, the stock market's on sale, while the market's down. you know, And especially given your age and how long you plan on holding on to these assets... Stocks should make up the overwhelming majority of your portfolio. Uh, most target retirement funds, they would only have you in 10 to 20% bonds, given those factors. You know, you mentioned uh, hanging on to them for at least 20 years. Uh, Vanguard's 2040 target date fund is made up of about 18% bonds, but Fidelity's 2040 fund is made up of even fewer. And their bond allocation only makes up about 7% of that fund. So you're looking at between 7% and 18%. So the fact that you have about 30% of your portfolio made up of bonds, uh, yes, you, you most definitely do want to consider moving some of that over into stocks. Yeah, Matt, let's talk about bonds too and the purpose that bonds play in a portfolio. Right, The biggest reason that investors include bonds inside of their investment portfolio is to provide some stability and some balance. The reason for this is because interest rates can often be moving downward at the same time that the economy is slowing, at the same time that stocks are potentially losing value. And this is exactly what we've seen over the past several weeks. If interest rates are decreasing, the value of bonds are likely increasing, which can create a natural hedge against stock market volatility. It doesn't always work like this, but often it does. And so for people that have more bonds in their portfolio and the market uh, tanks, sees a huge dip, then the markets are often going to provide you some balance in that portfolio, ensuring that you're going to see far less volatility in your personal portfolio. It'll be far less reflective of what the stock market is doing overall. Yeah, man, that's right. But Joe, you don't really need bonds right now, though, based on what we're saying here. Uh, the thing is, since you're not looking to touch this money for at least 20 years, if not even longer, you really shouldn't be looking for stability and balance. What you really want to be focusing on right now is growth. 
We recently had JL Collins on where we talked about investing for multiple lifetimes. That was episode 175. And within that conversation, we, you know, we talked about how theoretically, you know, JL says that we should always focus on growth since essentially we're going to pass that money along to our children. Or we're going to reincarnate and, you know, we're going to need the money then. <laughs> like the Phoenix, we're going to rise from the ashes. Babe. <laughs> and, you know, and so we don't love that at your young age, you are invested so conservatively. You want to move from a heavyweight of bonds towards more stocks and get them on sale while you do it. Yeah. And Joe, ultimately what it comes down to is kind of having an investing game plan. And after you make some of these changes and you do reallocate some of those bonds into stocks and you do have a more stock heavy portfolio, which because you're in your 20s, it makes sense. It's important to come up with a dedicated investment philosophy that helps you stick to a, a system of when and how you rebalance so that you aren't trying to time the market, right? The, the timing has worked out in your favor in this instance, right? But you'll potentially waste a lot of time trying to predict what the markets are going to do in the future. That's not good for any of us. And there's nobody out there that I know of that can consistently and accurately predict what the market is going to do. So for you, we would say aim for an 80-20 portfolio or even better, probably a 90-10 portfolio for now consistently and rebalance that portfolio once a year or just put all your money in one of those target retirement funds that Matt was talking about kind of at the beginning of this answer. That's the easy button for you. If you went into the Vanguard or the Fidelity, either one, right? They do have different allocations, but but either one is going to provide you some bond exposure in your portfolio, but it's going to put you mostly in the overall market. And the nice thing about that is it will automatically rebalance for you over the years and it will get more conservative as you get closer to retirement age. So if you want to do the easy button and you don't want to have to rebalance your portfolio, right, uh, January every year or whatever date you pick, then a target retirement fund is such a good idea. It's so simple and it just makes sense for a lot of investors out there. That's right, man. And, and so Joe, you are in a great position. You've had bonds up until now, so your portfolio is probably looking pretty healthy. But now is probably a great time to go ahead and sell those bonds, load up on stocks, and do some smart things with your money. All right, Joe, we've got a couple more questions. We're going to get to student loans as well as insurance brokers right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, 
You already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. Next question is about student loans. Hi, Matt and Joel. My name is Cynthia, and I am from the Bay Area, California. I'm applying to a private nursing school, and I'm wondering... Would it be difficult to get a student loan in the COVID-19 world, and what would be considered a good rate in this condition? I already have a bachelor's degree, so I don't think I will qualify for FAFSA, and I don't have much of my savings due to the high cost of living here, with only a part-time job. I do, however, have excellent credit, if that helps, and my parents are willing to co-sign. Can't wait to become a nurse and make a difference. Hope you guys are safe and healthy. Bye. All right, Cynthia, great to hear from you, and... The good news uh, is that you've chosen a, a great occupation, right? That'll allow you to not only care for folks who are sick and who need help, but it's a job that'll pay well too. The median annual wage for nurse anesthetists, nurse midwives, and nurse practitioners was over $110,000 in 2018. And the overall employment is projected to grow 26% from 2018 to 2028. This is much faster than the average for all other occupations. And these numbers are from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah, Matt, it seems like we always have a shortage of nurses and it seems like that shortage is only going to increase. So 
big props to Cynthia for picking an occupation that, yeah, not only provides a service, but also is in great need. Yeah, a lot of runway for her, right? Like aging population, folks living longer, a lot of reasons that nurses are going to be in high demand. Yeah, for a lot of years to come. Yeah, and Cynthia, onto your question really about student loans and COVID-19 and how that changes things. Well, one of the bright spots of the economic turmoil caused by this virus has been interest rate drops that benefit borrowers, right? It's also negatively affected savers. <laughs> so if you have a savings account, you've noticed your your savings rate dropping. But if you're borrowing, you've noticed that those rates have gone down, which is great. We've seen lower rates for home refinancing. We might even see credit card interest rates go down, which doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems to never apply to credit card companies. They don't, they don't seem to typically which lower. You never their... know, man. That would be amazing. That would be great. And those lower rates are also going to have an impact on next year's student loan rates when you're going to be applying and going to school, when you're going to be taking those loans out. Some people are predicting sub 2% loan rates for undergraduates, which would be historically low. Like that's never happened before. And graduate loans could be closer to 3.5%. So considering what we've seen recently in regards to student loan rates, when, when people go to school and they're taking out loans, these are ridiculously low. And yeah, so given all of that, it certainly seems like it could be a really good time for Cynthia to be going back to school for this degree. And Cynthia, the the federal student loan program won't have any major significant changes uh, for students seeking school loans in the future, at least from what we've seen yet. There might be changes. There's there's stuff being floated every day, it seems like, as far as changes that could be made and different stimuli that might be introduced, right? Oh, using the plural form. I like it. Yeah, just just add an I. (laughs) You can do that with my last name too. Did you know that? (laughs) Altmai? Exactly. So much of this, though, does have to do with uh, how the economy is looking in the coming months. If we're able to get a hold of the spread of the coronavirus, and the economy does turn around, like there's a chance that interest rates could rise. I think it's highly unlikely, but there's a chance. However, if the health crisis is still a big problem and it continues on, well, let's just hope that schools are back in session and able to accommodate students this fall. Yeah, good point, Matt. And I guess too, for Cynthia, it is important to talk about her overall debt load. And just because rates are low and student loan borrowing has become way less perilous, you know, when we're talking about interest rates essentially cut in half from what they were just a couple of years ago, It's still important, Cynthia, to be judicious about the debt that you're taking on to go to school. You mentioned that you're looking at private nursing school. Well, don't take out more than your likely first year salary. And an even better goal is half of your first year's salary. And Matt, we talked about that a little bit with Alicia Howard back in episode 170, just about kind of how you think about your student loan debt and what you're taking on. And she said that most experts say don't take out more than your likely first year salary, which is kind of something that we have agreed with. But of course, it's even better to take out less than that. It's ideal to keep your borrowing to a minimum, right? As little as you possibly can. So yeah, just make sure that's part of what you're factoring in, Cynthia, even with these low rates and getting a degree that's highly sought after. That's a fantastic place to be in, but keep your debt to a minimum and best of luck as you proceed with your schooling. Yeah, and on the notes of nurses and other healthcare professionals, Joel, uh, we are thankful for all the different nurses and doctors and just everyone who is putting themselves out there in harm's way to fight the coronavirus, to, to fight this health crisis that we're currently in. Obviously, they're, they're putting their health at risk just by their very profession. But because of that, they're having to make personal sacrifices as well, right? You know, they're having to self-isolate from friends, even from family members. Our, our, you know, I've got a neighbor who's doing that as well. Yeah, they just can't be near their spouse, their kids. It's terrible. It's insane. And so, again, this isn't something we often talk about. We don't really talk about the health side of the coronavirus. We normally talk about the money side of it because that's, that's our show, How to Money. But, you know, certainly we want to make sure that we're expressing our gratitude, our appreciation and thanks for, for all those folks out there. Yeah, completely. All right, Matt, let's get on to our next question. This one is about shopping for insurance. Hey, guys, this is Donnie from Milwaukee. 
I have an insurance question for you. I recently started a relationship with an independent insurance broker. A couple weeks ago, I called them one afternoon and received about a dozen quotes within a couple hours. Ended up with significantly better coverage because I had state minimums beforehand while saving money. Other services that they offer is that they'll handle any claim that I have in the future negotiating with my insurance company. They'll renegotiate and get new quotes at the end of the term. And they're doing the shopping for me, saving me time and energy. So my question for you guys is, what's the catch? Out of all the times that you guys talk about insurance on this show, I haven't heard you talk about insurance brokers once. Is there anything negative about these companies? Interested in what you guys have to say. Cheers. Matt, I think Donnie said he just entered into a relationship with an insurance broker. Does that mean he's dating (laughs) his insurance broker? You're so childish. (laughs) (laughs) The question popped up in my mind. I'm just going to say. All right. Well, Donnie, first off, congratulations if you are dating your insurance broker. And if you're not, also great job slashing your insurance costs while getting better coverage. And Matt, quick question. Is it frugal or cheap to have that cut rate coverage? Frugal. No, no, it's (laughs) cheap. Oh, dang it. Yeah, because those low limits, right, that Donnie did have on his previous policy could end up costing him a whole lot of money by not being properly insured when or if he does get into an accident. Yeah, certainly. You want to make sure that you at least have those state limits, but it's worth even looking beyond that. I personally have my insurance limits way higher than what our state minimums are. But obviously, that's going to have an effect on my the, the cost of my premiums as well. And so, you know, I also have my deductibles set pretty high to offset that increased cost. So my approach, at least, is to make sure my limits are, are set pretty stinking high to make sure that I would be covered in any sort of claim against me, right? If, if we were to have caused a lot of harm to someone's vehicle or their bodily person, right? Like that's the bodily injury portion of the insurance. But at the same time, let's keep enough money in that emergency fund to cover a higher deductible were you to have to pay more out of pocket. Yeah, Matt. And let's talk about insurance brokers. I think we have talked in the past about insurance brokers, but we probably don't do it often enough. If we have, it's been a while. So Matt, in my past, I have shopped with specific companies by calling around. That is probably the lengthiest way to shop for insurance, shopping one company at a time. I've also used Policy Genius. They've got a service where they have people that work there who do the shopping for you, similar to an independent agent. And then I've also used local independent agents to help me shop too. And I suggest kind of an all of the above approach to in order to get the best rate. And I actually randomly found my best rate through a direct approach, calling multiple companies, emailing a few different agents at different companies and getting quotes that way. Policy Genius and a local independent agent were both incredibly helpful in the process, though, in helping get me enough quotes in front of my eyes to look at so that I could make the best choice for great coverage, uh, affordable rates, and yeah, just kind of getting the best of all of those worlds. But independent agents, I would say, are definitely a great resource and one that people should tap when they're shopping for insurance. Yeah, so Joe, let's go ahead and talk about some of the benefits of independent agents and of insurance brokers, which, by the way, those terms are used fairly interchangeably uh, for you out there looking for insurance. It, it, it means about the same thing to you, right? Like typically a broker is representing you, like they're searching for a policy for you, whereas an independent agent, they're still a little bit more beholden to the insurance companies. They just have multiple insurance companies that they work with. But for you looking for insurance, it essentially means the same thing. You're able to easily get quotes from multiple companies. Just like you said, Donnie, uh, that's going to save you a lot of time and money, just like you mentioned. 
Again, everything you said is true. They, they make it easier for you to shop and to save every single year. Uh, they can help when filing a claim or helping you decide whether or not you should even file a claim. And yes, you can also keep that agent even if you switch insurers because there's going to be oftentimes a lot of different insurers who they recommend and who they work with. And because they know these different companies, these different insurers and the policies they offer, they can also be a really helpful resource and can help you learn and understand your policy on a level that you maybe didn't understand before. And so for you, if you value having a phone number where you can call and talk to your, your agent and they can explain your policy to you, where they can check in on something if you have a question, uh, yeah, going with an independent agent or a broker might definitely be the way to go. Yeah, having an actual agent that you can email and go back and forth with, Matt, is so helpful as opposed to calling like a 1-800 number for an insurance company to report something or to ask a question. It is really nice to have an agent that's knowledgeable in your corner and an independent agent in particular is really helpful because they want to get you the best rate so that you continue to do business with them. So yeah, but what is the catch? Donnie asked if there are any catches. And I would say the only thing to keep in mind is that those independent agents and brokers are typically paid via commission. Otherwise, there's no catch. So shop with an independent agent or broker that will give you quotes from a lot of different insurers. Maybe shop with a couple of different local independent agents. And if you like their vibe and they can save you money, which it sounds like that was the case for you, then totally go for it. Independent agents are often neglected because we see commercials for car insurance companies with cute lizards on them and stuff like that. And we just call the 1-800 number to see if we can save 10% uh, as they claim. But oftentimes an independent insurance agent, because they're able to shop with so many different insurance companies at one time, you could save a heck of a lot more than that, uh, potentially, by by going that route. So yeah, we would say, get some quotes and see what that local independent agent can offer you. It can't hurt at the very least. And definitely don't just go buy insure based on their commercials, right? I feel like in car insurance commercials, they're some of the better commercials out there. I'm thinking of Mayhem, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like you got that company. You've got the... Uh, the -da 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 -da. You got that guy. <laughs> you got the State Farm. You got the lizard. Check. Yeah, yeah, you got all that. And so... I mean, if, if we drank beer based on cool commercials, we wouldn't be drinking good beer either, you know? <laughs> That's so true. We'd be tapping the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got a couple more questions. We're going to take one about savings bonds as well as whether or not uh, you should go to law school. We'll get to those right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, 
if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, now we're back from the break. We got an interesting question about kind of where to go from your future and if law school should be a part of that. But before we get to that, we've got a question from a listener about buying savings bonds. Hi, this is Janine from Maryland. I have a question about gifting savings bonds. With my daughter's first communion coming up, my in-laws have asked about gifting her a savings bond. The concept seems antiquated to me, but I don't know a good substitute to suggest. They already very graciously contribute to her 529 we set up. Is the return over 30 years worth the hassle of keeping the certificate and remembering she has it? I'm still annoyingly lugging around my husband and my childhood savings bonds. I don't want to saddle my daughter with the same dilemma if there is a better alternative these days. Thank you. Savings bonds. Joel, have you ever had a savings bond? Never. Nobody was looking out for me like <laughs> Janine's uh, parents are for her kids. Same here. I never got a savings bond for my first communion. Well, I actually did grow up Catholic. Did you know that? I did know that about you. Well, it's true. But yeah, no savings bond in my court. <laughs> but Janine, uh, since your daughter is already getting a college savings boost, a, a savings bond could be a good fit for her. There are two different kinds of bonds out there, Series EE and Series I. These I bonds, they pay a rate at a low fixed rate, uh, then plus the rate of inflation. And EE bonds, they earn a fixed rate of interest. They both pay out a higher rate of 2.22% and 3.53% respectively. 
but they also can't be touched for 20 years if you want to score that higher rate. Yeah, so it's higher than an online savings account, but it's also untouchable for 20 years in order to get that premium rate, right? And Janine, it's important to bring up that 529 account real quick. Due to the inflexibility of these savings bonds and the pretty low interest rate when we're comparing to investing over the long term, right over that 20-year period, savings bonds are not our first recommendation. You mentioned how your in-laws are contributing to your child's 529 account. But where are they in their contribution limits with that 529? We'd much prefer to see your 529 maxed out as the money in that account can be invested and it can grow at a much higher rate over the years, right? If it's invested in low-cost, widely diversified index funds, that should blow savings bonds out of the water. And most states inside of their 529 plans have low-cost and broadly diversified investment options now. So yeah, if you have that inside of your state's 529 plan, that's a better place to put that money for your child's future than into savings bonds. And it sounds like part of the reason that they want to gift these savings bonds is maybe they want something tangible to give, right? This is her first communion. They, they want to be able to give her something that's a little more, I don't know, maybe like packageable <laughs> versus just additional funds in a 529. Uh, and so I get that if, if they're not really wanting to do the 529, they're wanting to do the savings bonds. But if the grandparents are comfortable with gifting you that money, I think maybe an even better scenario is to put that money in your own Roth IRA accounts. Assuming you're eligible and you're not already maxing those out, investing those funds over the next 10 to 15 years would be, I think, ideal, right? Of course, you'll want to keep detailed records, uh, but this could be a great option to grow that money even more. But of course, you're going to want to have your in-laws blessing if you were going to go that route. But Joel, we love Roth IRAs so much. And for a lot of people, I could see this being a great solution. Yeah. And I know that can be an awkward conversation if you know the, the grandparents want to give something and you say, well, give it to me. I'll put it in my Roth. <laughs> and <laughs> How about you give me the money? <laughs> exactly. But if you talk about it well, I think maybe they can understand that the benefit of putting it in a Roth investing for your future, but also your kid's future is almost like the perfect balance, especially because you don't need the money probably for 18 years from now. And you already do have money in the 529 account. Having that money put inside of your Roth and being able to withdraw those contributions at any point in time with no tax or penalty associated with it, that is such a perfect vehicle to be able to have at your disposal for your kid's use and you know when it comes to college time. And Matt, if that isn't an option, if the 529 account is already kind of filled to the brim and Roth IRAs are not an option, then of course you can set up a custodial brokerage account. Again, this would allow those funds to grow at a higher rate than a savings bond would, right? But there is also more risk because you're investing in the stock market as opposed to getting that fixed bond return. And at our current capital gains tax rate, as a young adult, your child could potentially make withdrawals and pay 0% of her income in taxes if she makes under $40,000 a year. Again, this is at today's capital gains rates, but brokerage accounts are pretty tax-friendly in and of themselves, and especially for low-income earners. But one thing that is important to note is that both savings bonds and brokerage accounts count when you're applying for financial aid, when you're filling out your FAFSA. So either way you slice it, if you do choose one of those vehicles, it will inhibit the potential financial aid that your child could receive when she goes off to college. And of course, those are given today's rules, right? Like who knows what things are going to look like in 15 years from now. But bottom line, I think all of these are fairly good options, right? We're talking about money that's is a gift. And, you know, like we try to be smart and efficient with our money, making sure that we're, we're doing wise things and growing it as well as we can. But at the same time, we don't want to overthink and overanalyze, uh, in particular, something that's, that's arriving as a gift like this. And so, you know what, you know, in the end, if the parents insist on a savings bond, 
like let them do the savings bond you know it's it's their money this isn't money that you're counting on this is sort of like that extra little bonus and if that's the case i think a, a savings bond you know in the end will come full circle could work out for your daughter for sure <laughs> yeah and we love to optimize matt but yeah when you're talking about a gift it's hard to over optimize that because you just have to be thankful for what the grandparents are contributing which is just it's incredibly kind of them uh, so yeah janine i hope that helped all right matt let's get on to the next question this one is from a listener who's trying to optimize his future and trying to decide what profession he gravitates towards. Hello, my name is Cole and I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. I'm a 20-year-old college student finishing up a degree in history and philosophy. Obviously, I'm aware that humanities majors don't have as much demand in the job market as, say, an engineer or something along those lines. I've thought about going to law school to become an environmental lawyer, but I'm worried about the commitment as well as the financial side of it. Environmental lawyers, from what I know, don't make as much money as, say, a corporate lawyer. Law school costs a lot of money, and I've never been in debt or had student loans before, so that's pretty scary to me. Another issue is that I'm not entirely sure if I even want to go. I've been burned out of school for a little while now, and I'm worried I just won't be able to muster through it. However, I've always enjoyed working with my hands and building things, so my plan B is to pursue a trade job, specifically an electrician job. To me, it seems that this job will fulfill my desire to work with my hands, provide a stable income, get me into the workforce, not put me in massive amounts of debt, and over a select number of years, maybe make as much as an environmental lawyer would. So I'm curious what y'all's take is on this. Should I go to law school despite being iffy about it, or pursue possibly a lower paying job and not get put into debt? I'm looking forward to your response. Thanks. Cole, that's a great question, man. And you know what? I got to say, first and foremost, I appreciate your desire to find employment that resonates with you and that you're not just aiming for a job with the biggest paycheck. Matt, we know when I was kind of deciding what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, I chose broadcast media, not because it was like the highest paying career out there. In fact, it wasn't. I think I actually kind of chose it because I could wear jeans and a t-shirt every day. Uh, bad, bad choice. <laughs> that wasn't really a good reason. <laughs> Maybe you over-prioritize the, uh, the lifestyle a touch right there. Yeah, <laughs> but ultimately it has been great. Like I've really enjoyed it, even though your income potential is, is capped compared to a lot of other fields I could have chosen. It was really a choice about, you know, my heart and what I really wanted to do in life as opposed to just what would get me the biggest paycheck. And I hear the same thing in Cole's question. Like he seems to really be wanting to prioritize something that he can enjoy doing for the rest of his life. And because work is such a big part of our lives, I think that's really important. Couldn't agree more, man. And something else to consider is that in our economy, man, like the people who are in the worst place are the ones who only get a partial degree, right? That's because they don't have the increased earning power that a degree provides, but they are stuck still with that increased level of student debt. So, Cole, if you're not excited about law school and, you know, you're tired of school in general, like you could easily end up in that boat. And that is something that we would hate to see. Yeah, exactly. Debt without the degree to show for it, without the increased earning potential is certainly a bad place to find yourself in. So, Cole, what about trying your hand as an electrician now, like as you're in school even, and then as the first job after you graduate, you can earn money while you're learning through a, an apprenticeship program. Check out websites like ieci.org and ibew.org. Those are both electrician trade organizations that can help guide you and hook you up with a helpful apprenticeship near where you are. And then you'll likely want to work for a reputable local 
local electrician for a few years to learn the trade before striking out on your own. But I love that you'll have the ability to be able to own your own company someday if you do go that route. That's huge for your future earning potential. That's huge for your ability to you know, hire other people and have them work for you and be able to create the lifestyle of your choosing. Owning your own business is a game changer in this country. And, and that is just so much easier if you gain the skills and you become an electrician. And at the same time, you're completely eliminating the debt factor altogether too. Yeah, Joel, unnecessary student loan debt is such a bummer. And so taking the path of an electrician first, man, that is by far the least risky route, you know? You can always apply for law school a year or two down the road if, you know, the electrical work, if that doesn't seem to be the right fit for you. And on top of that, because of the fact that you have zero debt right now, you are in a perfect position to, to give this a go, right? To try something that maybe you thought you would never have tried before. But the more you think about it, the more you realize that, man, my, my skills really do lend themselves to working with my hands, maybe to managing other people, to, to owning my own business. If that really sounds good to you and you're, you're a lot more excited about that as compared to pursuing law, whether it is corporate law or you know maybe what seems a little bit more appealing to you, which is environmental law. Well, by all means, take the electrician path first. Yeah, Matt, the flexibility that we have as human beings when we have minimized debt or when we don't have any debt at all, it's just astounding how much more we have in our control because we don't have ongoing debt obligations that we have to take care of. And so many people these days, sadly, graduate with so much student loan debt that they have to go out and get the first job that's offered to them. And Cole is not in that position. He really can dictate his own future. He doesn't have massive student loans that he'll have to start paying off immediately. And so it gives him this flexibility to be able to pursue something that he would prefer and at least give it a shot. And I love that too, that you can check this out first, give it a trial run. And if it doesn't work out or if it's not as interesting of work to you as you thought it might be, then you can pursue that legal education further down the road. So Cole, best of luck to you as you kind of move forward and you're thinking through this. And I hope that you know our thoughts were a little helpful. And Joel, that's going to be it for questions. Let's go ahead and direct the conversation back to our beer this episode. You and I are sharing this 750 milliliter bottle of Nightmare on Brett, which is this beer by Crooked Stave Artisan Beer Project. These guys are out of Denver, Colorado. This is one of those good, good beers. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, man, it's extra special. That's for sure. Crooked Stave, I don't think I've ever had a bad beer from them. This one in particular is probably their finest beer that I've ever had. There's one other beer that they made. It's a sour cherry ale that's absolutely spectacular too, but this one rivals that for sure. I feel like this beer had some some kind of toasted uh, stout-like notes to go along with like some tart berry cherry uh, notes as well. And by the way, it's called Nightmare on Brett, and that's because they use a strain of Brettanomyces, which helps kind of give the beer a little bit of that sour, funky taste. And I feel like the whiskey barrels just finish it off perfectly. It's truly a unique beer and, and also an excellent beer at the same time. Yeah, that's right. It is aged in whiskey barrels, man. Specifically, uh, this beer is aged in Leopold Brothers whiskey barrels, which I don't think I've ever had any of that whiskey before, but I bet it's pretty good. I bet it is. But I could not imagine what this beer would taste like if it wasn't aged in whiskey barrels, you know, because typically when you age something in barrels in oak, charred oak specifically, like bourbon barrels and whiskey barrels, it mellows out the flavors. And this is such a bright and acidic beer that it would be almost too bright if it wasn't aged in some barrels like that. It would be almost overwhelming, I think, if it wasn't aged for a little while in those whiskey barrels. I think it really gives it the right tones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it's super dark, like you said, and it's got some of those darker cherry notes and, and whatnot. But it really is super acidic and, and has this bite to it. And I agree with you, like it does not have a whole lot of that bready 
funkiness that you typically get with a farmhouse or a saison that's that's featuring Brett. And you know, I used to think that I didn't like uh, dark sours, but what I'm learning though is that I like dark sours as long as they're acidic enough. What I don't like are those dark sours that are kind of real syrupy and kind of flat. Whereas this is the complete opposite of that. It's, it's got all those dark notes and the flavors, but it's super high uh, when it comes to the acidity. And so it, it feels like it's really light and bright, but it has all those dark flavors. Somehow Crooked Stave, they're able to kind of maintain both of those qualities within the same beer, which is really impressive. And I think that's part of what makes this beer one of those really good ones. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got to share this one, man. Uh, thanks to all of our friends up there at Crooked Stave for donating this one to the show. Yes, it was indeed lovely. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. For people that want show notes, they can check out our website. Just go to howtomoney.com. And if you're listening to this episode and you have not already subscribed to our show, wherever it is that you're listening to your podcast, make sure that you go over to our show page, mash that button, subscribe, make sure that you don't miss an episode. Joel, recently I've been listening on Spotify. It's actually been my, my new favorite podcast listening app. Uh, what oh, if, nice. Yeah, I used, to, you know, I used to be pretty hardcore on CastBox. That used to be, yeah, that used to be our thing back in the day. We used to, we used to hit CastBox hard, but the uh, the computer to the iPhone app integration wasn't really doing it for me. Uh, what, have you been using a specific app recently? I'm still using CastBox. You still on the CastBox train? I, I am, but I'll give Spotify a try because I've been meaning to check it out as they've gotten more and more into podcasts. I was wondering how good's the app. If you say it's good, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Specifically, uh, the handoff is really good. So you can be listening on your phone, sit down on your computer, and then you can select it to start playing through your speakers, and it'll start playing through your computer exactly where you left off on your phone. That's pretty sweet. Super smooth, super slick. So if you're listening on Spotify and you're not already a subscriber, make sure that you hit subscribe. No doubt. All right, Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 